1: plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health, CAMH. It's never an easy call with so many problems in the world to know where to direct the money that you donate when you want to help out in this world. But what I can tell you is that when you donate to CAMH, you're saving lives. We know about the opioid crisis. We know about the mental health crisis. They are doing the work. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where no one is left behind. Donate at CAMH.ca slash CanadaLand to help us treat addiction and build hope. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about CanadaLand and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures. It disappears at the end of the month and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by TunnelBear, the simple privacy app that makes it easy to access a more open internet and browse privately. Go to freetunnelbear.com and use it for free. It was inconclusive whether sexual harassment occurred, but on balance of probabilities, Galis behaved inappropriately and breached the company's anti-harassment policies. That is what Global News BC says about the accusation that their news anchor, Chris Gayless, routinely sexually harassed makeup artist Don Koch over a period of seven years. Chris Gayless said, I'm so sorry when Don Koch confronted him about his behavior in the first place. Koch said, through her lawyer, that the story around the sexual harassment is that Don raised it with Chris Galis, he apologized, and he stopped. So why did it not end there? Why did this case end up before the Canadian Human Rights Commission and then in the federal court system, where freelance reporter Daryl Greer found the public documents describing the harassment, which he then reported on for our site. Because, Coke said, the ongoing problem is not with Chris Galus. It's with the Human Rights Commission and the employer, Global, which is owned by Shaw, which has treated her very poorly. That is all that she said. And she said it through her lawyer. When CBC and CTV and the province all picked up our story and went to Don Cook for comment, she did not provide it. She chose not to speak with them. She wouldn't give them an interview. But she will talk now, in a moment, on this show. Wait for it. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by David Sachs, Martha Hunter, Matthew Quick, Derek Finch, Francisco J. Rivas, Sandra Weeb, John Montes... And Marcella DeJong. Marcella, why did you decide to be awesome?
0: Because I want to be hip with the kids, and I like what you do.
1: This episode is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Trust is important. There are a lot of mattress lies out there, a lot of mattress liars. Canadians prefer, and it comes with a 365-night trial and a 20-year warranty. What more can I tell you? Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca CanadaLand to claim this offer. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health, CAMH. heroic work that they're doing every day. They treat everyone with dignity, and their research is seeking and finding real solutions for everyone around the world. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where no one is left behind. Donate at camh.ca CanadaLand to help CAMH treat addiction and build hope. This episode is also brought to you by TunnelBear, the simple privacy app that makes it easy To access a more open internet and browse privately, it's very easy to use TunnelBear. You just choose a country in the app, you turn TunnelBear on, and then you watch your bear tunnel, your internet connection to your new secured location. It's like you're surfing the internet from a foreign country. Why would you want to do that? What is the point of surfing the internet as if you were an American? Well, you can see the prices that Americans pay for things are often very different prices than Canadians pay for flights and and for products. So you can avoid price discrimination. If you're surfing the internet through public Wi-Fi, you can secure your connection by using TunnelBear. Instead of using the open connection of a coffee shop or airport, you are now protected because everything that happens on TunnelBear is encrypted and they keep no logs of your behavior. So it's a powerful tool for your own safety and privacy. You know what? You might use it just because you believe privacy is a basic right. You simply want privacy. TunnelBear has apps for iOS, Android, PC, and Mac, plus a Chrome extension, and it's free. The first 500 megabytes are free. Go to freetunnelbear.com, start using it. You don't pay anything until you bust through that 500 megabyte cap. You don't have to give them a credit card. Check it out. It's kind of fun to use. It's very useful. And this episode is brought to you by FreshBooks, Also, a tool for the small business person, for the small company, for the entrepreneur. I also love FreshBooks because they are a proud Canadian company. They're a Canadian company that's gotten quite big by offering useful things to companies that are small. This is accounting software designed for you. They are the company that I have used for my invoicing and billing For many years now, before they were paying me to say nice things about them, I used FreshBooks as a freelancer. And now that I have a small and growing business, they are still the company that I use for my billing, for my invoicing, for my expense tracking, to get paid quicker, to save me time, because we are not yet at a point where we have an accounting department. FreshBooks is our accounting department and they can be yours too. Go to freshbooks.com, try it out for free for 30 days. When you do decide to become a customer, Tell them that Canada Land sent you and you will be doing this show a favor. Thank you, Fresh Books. Quick note before we begin my conversation with Don Koch. This interview concerns Chris Galis, the news anchor. We asked him to appear on the show. We haven't heard back from him. We also asked Don Cook's union, Uniform Media One, and we asked Global News. All of them were asked to speak on this podcast. None of them have agreed uh, at this point. Global did provide comment on this story when we ran it as a news report on our site by freelancer Daryl Greer. Global spokesperson Rishma Govani called the accusation unfounded. And Shaw's lawyer, Howard Levitt called the accusation ridiculous and misleading. Should any of them provide further comment to what you're about to hear, we will add it on the website. Don, what kind of unwanted behavior from from your anchor, from Chris Galis did you experience when you were working with him?
0: It was a lot of comments about my body specifically.
1: You allege that he would leer at you, that he would make uh, inappropriate comments about about your body.:
0: Yes, in a sexual connotation.
1: <laughs> right, like in a, inappropriate sexual comments. Right. Did it ever get physical?
0: Uh, there was one occasion, yes, where he grabbed my my backside and sort of gave it a grope. <laughs>
1: Right. And you allege also that he, uh, like it gets kind of, I mean, it's pretty juvenile. He, w- he would pretend to get erections while you were applying makeup to him. Uh, like. A... Yes. Yeah. Yes. How long did this go on for?
0: Well, um, since the first time that I met him. I remember, and I said this in the meeting when I brought it up, I remember specifically the first time that we met and I remember blushing.
1: What did he say at that first meeting?
0: I don't remember, I just remember blushing.
1: Yeah, and this was like 2006. Yeah,
0: that was like, we're going on about 10 years ago now.
1: 2006 is when it began up until when you left in in Mm -hmm. 2013.
0: Right.
1: How would you respond when he would speak to you that way?
0: Sometimes I would say that that was, you know, another one for the human resources file. I mean, it's difficult. You can't respond in too much of a negative way because, you know, they're, they're contending, they're saying that, you know, he's not my superior and didn't have any power over me, but um, he did. He was the face of global. They groomed him for a couple of years before Tony left. Um, so they've invested a lot of money in creating an image for him. And he actually is also classified as management.
1: How were you classified when you worked there?
0: Um, I'm just classified as a makeup artist, just an employee.
1: Were you uh, a full-time staff
0: employee? I was full-time, yes.
1: I guess I could imagine a context where you say, oh, that's another one for the HR file where he might get the idea like we're kidding around with each other. Do you think it was clear to him that you did not want these comments?
0: Um, I think it should have been clear as they never responded in kind and never made no, it wasn't like a back and forth conversation. And I'm kind of offended by the fact that he says that it's just jokes.
1: That's that's in his position that you were just joking with each other.
0: Mm-hmm. It's a power play. What do you mean? Well, it's just because he has more power so he feels that he can get away with saying those things. Yeah. Somebody else in a lower position in that in that establishment wouldn't say those same things. There's a lot of latitude given to him. There was there was a silently condoned behavior.
1: And you never like played with him back, you're saying, like you you wouldn't make naughty comments to him. No. You did explicitly complain in the email exchange that's part of uh, the court documents. You, I you did. Know. I
0: was very frustrated at that point, yes.
1: What What did you say to him?
0: Uh, I just said that he, would you know, I'm not exactly sure. I don't have it in front of me, but just that he had, you know, reduced me to somebody that had no intelligence, basically because I was a female and a makeup artist. You know, I found his comments, you know, inappropriate, and that he had reduced me to somebody that had no intelligence or worth other than basically being a female for him to comment on.
1: How did he respond to that?
0: Initially, he just said that he was joking. Um, But to me, that wasn't that wasn't really a valid response, because it's a matter of law that you're not allowed to say these things in the workplace. And it's there for a reason.
1: In the court filings, uh, you, you you sent him a second email after, I guess, a phone call took place where you say, you know, despite what you say on the phone, Chris, I don't take it as a joke.
0: I think he left me a message, yeah. It's not a joke. Yeah. It's degrading. It's disrespectful. It's objectifying. You know, I've, you know, you can't just, because I'm a girl and because I'm there and because you're in a superior position doesn't give you the right to make comments on my body.
1: That seemed to get through, and there is a response from him to that second email.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is an apology. I mean, to what extent does he actually understand? I'm not sure how clear that is, because there was someone else in the workplace before me that also had to confront him, um, so that's two that I know of, and you know, I was the second afterwards, so I don't think he really understands. He might now, at this point... I'm sure he does now at this point I would hope so.
1: There is that sort of sense where he he says something to the effect of well obviously you didn't take it as a joke sort of it's unclear whether he's apologizing for something he did or how or or for how you feel about it but but he does say
0: He's apologizing for the fact that yeah it's more or less that he thinks it's funny and that I don't. And yeah. that's really offensive actually.
1: To be fair to his apology, he does sort of end with an unreserved apology. It's not going to happen again. He's totally sorry. Yeah. That is there.
0: He does. Yeah, absolutely. I will completely give him credit for that. He, you know, he did the right thing and apologized. But that's not really, that's not really what the story for me is about. And this is, as I said, like, this is the reason why I will do this podcast with you is just to sort of clear up the misconceptions around it. I feel like there's a lot of misconceptions as far as my motivation and what it was that I was looking for. I think there's a lot of issues. I think um, it wasn't handled properly by the company. It wasn't handled properly by the union. I think these types of things aren't handled properly by the CHRC. There was a lot of toxicity in that workplace and I feel that that's something that's probably a common thread in all newsrooms. It's not a healthy environment. It's not supportive. And if you do bring any workplace issues into light, um, it's not met with support. You're basically labeled as a complainer, and things never get resolved.
1: Is that what happened to you?
0: Yeah, I feel I feel that way absolutely. I feel I was ignored. I feel I was ignored, and I was treated very poorly, and I was lied to.
1: Well, let, let's uh, let's talk about that because. He apologized, uh, but you did feel that this was something that management needed to know about.
0: I did. Yeah, I thought that there needed to be some accountability for this for what went on for seven years. Um, And also, I wanted to sort of safeguard myself against any sort of further um, retribution that might come up. You know, he had apologized at the time, but, you know, things change.
1: I see. So you kind of want to get it On the record that this happened, there was an apology?
0: I wanted it on the record, yeah. You know, I wanted some accountability. If I had been doing those things, I would have been held accountable. If somebody, one of the writers or one of the editors had been doing those things, they would be held accountable.
1: Yeah. It's interesting because people are saying, well, you know, if he apologized, why did you have to go to management? But I see your point. If if he apologized, but then something were to happen to you where you got frozen out or lost your job, and then you were to say but wait a second, I was sexually harassed, then they'd say, well, why didn't you file a complaint? You're, now you, you're just saying this now. Right. Uh, because you're losing your job. So you're sort of in a tough spot in that respect. Right. So when you went to, you 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 went to, I guess, did you go to the union? Did you go to human resources? Who did you take this to?
0: Um, yeah, no, it was the union and HR was involved in meetings. And it was, um, I mean, I took two weeks off in December of 2013, before I even went into the meeting, because I had to decide what I was gonna do, because there was gonna be a lot of repercussions from this, none of which would be beneficial for me, which I knew, Um, and so it was not an easy decision to make, and it was left in the hands of uh, HR, and after that, I never heard a word. No one ever spoke to me ever again about it. Nobody advised me of my rights. No one asked me to sign anything. No one talked to me at all. And when I began to ask questions later on um, as to what happened with the claim, did he get written up, was there anything on paper, Um, I was lied to in emails about company policy. What did they say? Uh, they said that I wasn't allowed to know how uh, what the resolution was because it was a matter of confidentiality and I wasn't allowed to be in the loop, which is actually a lie.
1: Their policy is that you, you, you are supposed to be told what the outcome is?
0: Yeah, policy, uh, Shaw policy, union policy and actually law. I just believe that there was nothing done and so there was no, there was no record of anything.
1: Mm-hmm. What was your next step?
0: Uh, Well, over a few months, there was some meetings and some back and forth with emails, um, and I was basically told that I needed to see a psychiatrist in order for me to let it go, which I thought was really inappropriate.
1: Who, they told you, the the company told you to see a
0: psychiatrist? HR, HR told me that uh, perhaps I should see a psychiatrist to help me get over it, because I was having problems letting it go. And I was simply just asking, what was the resolution? What happened? Uh And I have that in an email, which I thought was really inappropriate. Yeah. I was simply asking, how did it get dealt with? And I don't think it got dealt with. I think it was a boys will be boys. And I was just being sensitive or overreacting. But I, I disagree with that. I think if it was anybody's wife or daughter sister in that situation um they they wouldn't approve of it at all and it would be dealt with differently
1: so where did you go next
0: um at that point i wasn't going to receive any support from the union or from shaw so i decided to make a filing with the chrc
1: with the human rights commission
0: that's correct yeah
1: and and how did that go
0: um, well they didn't even really look at it for about 14 months and then at this point they've sort of they've kind of dismissed it because they're saying that uh, it, should be how, it should be dealt with through the union um, but unfortunately the union never grieved the sexual harassment so that's actually not really on the table to be dealt with at the company level
1: right it's sort of a catch-22 I guess you take it to the union and the union says they won't they won't pursue the grievance you take it to the CHRC and they say go it, go see the union
0: go yeah exactly so there's a whole bunch of things that are just wrong with the system on this yeah and I think the stat is that it's four percent of uh, filings actually even get heard by the CHRC
1: we've reached out to the other side or the other sides in this for for uh, you know to, to give them equal time and uh, they don't seem to want to speak with us they have gone on the record though through their lawyer howard levitt and also through their facebook page it's a bit contradictory because on the one hand chris galis did apologize to you and there seems to be some recognition that something happened but then uh global bc says on their facebook page that they they have a zero tolerance they take this very seriously they say that they thoroughly investigated it and the allegation was determined to be unfounded
0: yeah, that's not true. I actually have an email from them dated September 3rd on, in 2014 where HR says that there was an unacceptable behavior displayed by Chris, which the employer would not condone. Uh-huh. But they didn't want to go forward with an investigation. Right. They did uh, formalize an investigation after they received notice that I filed with the CHRC.
1: Do you feel this was sort of so that they, they could say after the fact, well, actually, we did formally investigate?
0: Exactly. And I also don't feel that an internal investigation by our HR department was sufficient.
1: Yeah, them investigating themselves and, and that eventual formal investigation, which perhaps your CHRC complaint triggered, that was what resulted in them finding that this was unfounded.
0: Correct. It, it, well, that's their statement that they're going with, although it contradicts what they said before.
1: Which, again, was that there was inappropriate behavior.
0: Yes. But that no other person had come forward, So, which I'm maintaining that no other person does need to come forward for them to do an investigation.
1: Like they're saying that it's only it only merits investigation if there are other people who also say that Chris Galis harassed them.
0: Yeah, I mean, and I just went forward with the CHRC complaint because I felt I was powerless and I was ing- extremely frustrated by the lack of respect that I felt was shown by the company and by the union. They didn't They didn't work in that situation every day. They're, they're not in a position to tell me how I felt or what it was like.
1: They've gone further, Don, than just saying that uh, it was unfounded. Um, through their lawyer, they're now saying that, you know, to the original complaints, they're saying that, uh, well, you know, Chris was never your superior. He had no power over you, as you've said. You don't feel like that's really true when he's the face of the uh, of the channel.
0: Yeah, I think that that's reasonable <laughs> to say that that is not. I mean, that that is not true.
1: Uh, Levitt, uh, their lawyer, says that the alleged unwanted sexual comments were part of a mutual banter between the two of you, mm-hmm. and that uh, the behavior ceased after you after you complained and he gave a strong apology. And here's what he says. He says that. Um, your complaints are vindictive, mischievous uh, and that you're unhappy generally in the workplace and that it was only when you were disciplined for unrelated poor performance that you saw an angle that gives you leverage over Global Shaw and that you were using the Human Rights Commission's processes in bad faith.
0: Yeah, no, I wasn't disciplined for any poor performance. There's nothing I would like them to produce the paperwork, although and this is another issue that we have we have been asking to get my file since 2013 and the file has remained with the employer so we have no idea what they've what's in there at this point
1: you know through all of this really difficult and and ugly confrontational stuff are you still working there
0: no they terminated me uh, in August, I believe, of 2015.
1: What reason did they give?
0: I think it was just a failure to show up for work. They had sent out a couple letters requesting that I come back for work, and I had sent out my reply that due to the hostile nature, the stance that the company is taking, that I didn't feel that it was a supportive and safe environment for me to go back to, and that I maintained a request for a leave of absence until the, the case was was settled.
1: You, you sort of forced them to an ultimatum that they were either going to have to take this seriously or you're not coming back to work. And they said, OK, you're fired.
0: Basically, yeah. They could have granted a leave. They could have granted a leave of absence, um, but they chose not to. Like that, that is within their power to do that. They just chose not to. It's been very contentious. They've been very hostile from the beginning. And we did have to file a retaliation um, notice against them as well. And I do want to, I do want to address one other, well, a couple of things that they're saying that I'm in it for the money. Um, There's been no money. There was an offer of a settlement a while back, um, which I refused. And there also was an offer, uh, we had a mediation, I guess about three weeks ago now. Um, There was an offer, sort of an unnamed number of an offer to settle if I would say that I lied. Really? Because at this point, they they knew that reporters, that Daryl had, Daryl had contacted them and they knew that there was a reporter. Um, so if I would resile my comment and basically that I, which I'm probably gonna get in trouble for saying that, I'm probably gonna get sued because um, they're really basically looking for anything right now. But, and I refused, so I have no money, I have a mountain of debt, but I'm I'm not gonna let them push me around and I'm not gonna say I lied because none of it is a lie.
1: That's really incredible. They, you're saying that when they found out that reporters were interested, they offered you money to call yourself a liar, to retract your story.
0: Yeah, it was not flat out, there was no, I'm not gonna say that there was a number given, but it was inferred that and then, as soon as I said no, the meeting was over, and Howard Lovett flew back home to Toronto. As soon as I said no, it was done. It was done in a minute.
1: We we learned that Shaw told you that you yourself was were being investigated for sexual harassment.
0: Yeah, apparently that's one of the things that they've that they've put in there. I've never heard anything about it until they put it in that claim. Um, there was no name attached to it. There was no context attached to it. First time I've heard of it, but this is again a problem why we don't have access to my file and we don't know what they're putting in there.
1: We tried to find out as well. Who are they saying? Who, who is who's who's accusing you of this, and what are they accusing you of? And there's no information.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's it's gone so ugly and it's gotten so out of control and it's ridiculous because really they had months and months for. All it was, I was just asking, how was he disciplined? Was he disciplined? Did anything happen?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think that's it. That was
0: it. And I think that that's a reasonable request to ask after you've come forward, after something's been going on for a great number of years. I think that's a reasonable request.
1: It's almost like everything that followed, and it's sort of explicit in what you're saying, is that your problem is not any longer with Chris Galis, but with everything that followed. It's- well,
0: it's everything that's followed, and it's it's the environment that helps to create that as well. There's a huge hierarchy um, in in that workplace, and it's incredibly toxic. And I don't think you're going to find you're not going to find anybody who works there now or worked there in the past that's not going to agree that it's an incredibly toxic environment. It takes its toll on everybody in one form or another.
1: You know, we we cover these stories with such frequency, I didn't think we'd be covering as many of them, of of these situations in the media where there are allegations of harassment, of abuse, of bullying, of sexual harassment. And the dynamics seem so common. We got a little bit of feedback saying, oh, this stuff happens everywhere. I don't know. We don't look at it. I don't think
0: so. No, I feel like it's particularly unpleasant in newsrooms. I, I mean, I've never, I don't have any experience working in other newsrooms except for this one. So I would ask people, you know, is this a common, is this a common thread or all newsrooms like this? And I was told, yeah. And sometimes they're worse.
1: Yeah. Which may, may well be true, but is not, you know, that doesn't ma- mean that it's not anything that should be accepted or,
0: or, or should
1: not be discussed.
0: No, I think it's part of the problem for sure. Yeah. Unless you are certain people of in, a, in a certain level of hierarchy, you, you probably don't really have a great experience.
1: Do you think it's the quasi-celebrity nature of like, you know, you, you, you take these people, they're like these good-looking on-camera people, they have makeup, they have nice haircuts, they're, they're, their faces are reproduced in bus shelters and billboards all throughout the town, and then there's like a small army of people who, who put them there, who make them look good, and who put the show on. Do you think that plays into this?
0: Absolutely. There's two sets of rules.
1: Like one for the talent and one, one for everybody else? Yep. Don, do you still work in the media?
0: No, I don't. What do you do now? Uh, I am managing a salon.
1: Do you find it a uh, more uh, respectful and easier workplace?
0: Yeah, it's actually been... It's it's a big adjustment, actually, to get back out into other workplaces. Um, yeah, people are kind. <laughs> And uh, if I do bring up any workplace issues and have solutions on how to solve them, uh, they're respected and actually implemented. And I'm not seen as a complainer. I've actually been told that I'm an asset, which is shocking. And it's actually kind of unsettling. Because <laughs> right. I was there for a very long time. I was sitting in the makeup room and I was talking to two anchors about how I don't get any respect there. And one of them said to me, stop looking for respect, you're not going to get it because you're not news. And that was entirely indicative of my framework every day.
1: That only news got respect? Yeah. Don, I know this is difficult to discuss and uh, thank you for talking about it with me.
0: Okay, thanks for taking the time.
1: That's your Canada Land. I hope you enjoyed it. You can email me. I read everything you send me and I respond when I can. And you can reach me at jesse at We're on Twitter at Canada Land. Our website is canadalandshow.com. Our crowdfunding site is at patreon.com slash Canada Land. The next episode of Canada Land Commons will come out on Tuesday. And the next episode of Shortcuts comes out on Thursday. I make this show with Katie Jensen. We syndicate the show for free, for free, to community and campus radio stations across the country and Russell Gregg takes care of that. If you like what we do, please support us. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. A couple of years ago, a cop was shot dead on a deserted pier in the tiny nation of Belize. The only other person there that night was a frightened young woman found covered in blood.